Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of John. You may be seated. Let us pray. Mighty Father, your Son, Jesus, is our Good Shepherd who leads his sheep into your kingdom. We pray this day, O Lord, that you would protect us from anything that would seek to take us off the path, that your Son, Jesus, would be a good shepherd who protects and who guides. And now, Lord, we pray you would grant us your Holy Spirit to descend, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you were, if you were with us last week, you may recall we were talking uh, about the Lordship of Jesus, and, and we used an alliteration to help us remember the nature of Christ's reign. We use three P words. We said that Jesus is a Lord who pursues his people by grace alone, who proclaims uh, his forgiveness of sins over them as a royal decree, and who is present with us by means of, of word and, and sacrament. He's a pursuing Lord, a proclaiming Lord, a present Lord. Three Ps, alliteration, pretty creative, thought that was pretty fun. Now, in Bible study, if you were with us there, Scott Keith had joined us, and he made fun of me for this, and he said it would be really incredible if maybe we could do like a P word every Sunday for the rest of the year, and I'm like, challenge accepted, that's what we're going to do, a P word about the Lordship of Jesus Christ for the rest of our lives. No, now that would be, that would be very boring and very obnoxious, so I thought, no, we're not going to do that. And then I came to the text for today, in which Jesus tells us that he is our good shepherd. You know what shepherds do? They protect the sheep. That's what they, so there's your P word for today. I'm sorry, we'll do better next week. Okay. So the sheep are those who need protection from their Lord. We have a Lord, a good shepherd, who protects his people, who protects his sheep. But the question then is, why do the sheep need protecting well to state the obvious it's because the sheep of the good shepherd are under attack this is good shepherd sunday i don't know if you've noticed the 23rd psalm yet this morning uh, but we did mention it once or six times uh, here this is a sunday that comes up every easter season we call it good shepherd sunday and we dial in on this image of jesus as our good shepherd we hear his word again where he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we love this Sunday because it brings to mind some wonderful images. Like when you think of Jesus as a shepherd, what comes to mind? I guess this is that. Like you think of Jesus with the cuddly little sheep and the cute children, and he's bringing them all to himself, and we just love this, this precious moments, Jesus grabbing that sheep and cuddling him to his face and just squeezing the ever-living cute out of that sheep, bless its little sheep heart. And we read the 23rd Psalm with all sorts of warm and woolly feelings, and we sing, I am Jesus, little lamb, ever glad at heart I am. I mean, it's wonderful. We love it. It's this picture that can just be nothing but comfort and peace for us. Which is all well and good, I suppose, and if you can't tell, I'm setting something up here. <laughs> but you see then, what's really interesting is that that's how we respond to the image. But look at how the people in the text today, when they actually heard Jesus preach, how they responded to the message. It was like the polar opposite. 
The first response was this, John writes, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, they did not understand what he was saying to them. And if we were to read a little bit further, it gets worse. A little further, it says this. There was then, after these sayings, there was then again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? I mean, wait, what? Jesus just said he wanted to cuddle with some sheep, and you're telling him that he's insane and demon-possessed? What is, what's going on here? Well, one of the things we have to recognize when we come to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, the great good shepherd passage in, this, in the New Testament, when we come to this passage, you have to recognize that what we have here is not some sort of timeless, proverbial saying falling down out of heaven describing God to us. But rather, we're picking things up in the midst of a conversation. And actually, it's a pretty heated conversation. Jesus, in this particular passage, we find great comfort in these words, but Jesus is being, frankly, very combative. Because he's in the midst of an argument with religious leaders, the Pharisees in this instance, who have come along and are trying to harm his sheep. They have come along and there's a particular sheep that they are working very hard to remove from the presence of Christ. And he will not stand for it. So he tells them in no uncertain terms, you are bad shepherds who will be judged and I am the one who has come to judge you. That's what he means when he calls himself the good shepherd. Let's, let's get the context here and see exactly what's going on. John chapter 9, we actually heard this passage uh, a few weeks back. If you, didn't, if you don't remember the sermon, I recommend you go back and read John chapter 9 today. Uh, but in that particular passage, brief summary, there is a man who is blind from birth. Jesus heals the man, and he begins walking around telling people that Jesus has healed him. Well, I believe it happened on a Sabbath day, and the religious leaders don't really like that, and they don't really like Jesus, and so they ask this man, they put him on trial, how did you get your sight back? And he says, well, Jesus healed me. And then they continue to sort of grill him about this Jesus to the point that the man begins to defend Jesus against the Pharisees. And they tell him, if you're on the side of Jesus, then you are against God. As Pharisees, they stand up and say, as God's representatives, we are telling you that association with Jesus is getting you excommunicated, kicked out of the people of God. God will have nothing to do with you. That is, in essence, what they say to this man. And Jesus hears this and has had enough. He must now come and step in and protect the life that he has given to this dear sheep, lest these thieves and robbers steal and kill and destroy so Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who comes for my sheep. This good shepherd imagery is very provocative because if you go back into the Old Testament, like we heard of Psalm 23 today, uh, you will find that the shepherds are very often associated with kings. In the ancient world, kings and shepherds, uh, shepherds was the, like one of the leading metaphors to describe a king. And in the book of Ezekiel, there's a point where God the Father is fed up with his shepherd, the kings of Israel. He comes and he says to them, you guys are harming my sheep and I've had enough of it, so now I am going to come and I myself will shepherd my sheep. 
So when Jesus stands in front of the Pharisees today and says, I am the good shepherd and you are thieves and robbers, he's saying to them, in essence, you are the same as those kings in the Old Testament who harmed God's people. And now God the Father has sent me, God the Son, into your midst to be the good shepherd who rescues my sheep and judges bad shepherds. And because of this, they are judged. The attacking the sheep is no small problem. To call them thieves and robbers, the word robbers there can also be translated insurrectionists. He's saying, by the work that you are doing with this blind man, by the work that you do against me at all, Jesus says, is tantamount to attacking the kingdom of God. He will not stand, for he is a good shepherd who will not hand over his sheep. He protects so what does this look like then for us? What is the attack that we sheep must face and how is it that Jesus protects us? Well, the attacks that Jesus refers to here today are any effort, we might think of any effort that seeks to remove our faith in Christ, to remove us from Christ, to take us away from Jesus. This is what the attacks are. And these come at us from any number of directions in our world right now. We're seeing attacks on the church all the time. The dear sheep of Christ are always, it seems, under assault from the devil and the world and even with our own sinful struggles. Now, sometimes these things are very obvious, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because these things concern me less. I'm not as worried about the sort of full frontal assault that comes from, say, like the, the outspoken public speaking atheist or the, uh, the late night TV show host or the, the, the bitter comedian who comes along and mocks Jesus and mocks Christianity. They don't worry me as much because you and I, we see them coming. We can see them a mile away. It, it's not hard to say, like, those people are against us because they like to stand up and say, we're against you. It's very clear, right? They lay it all out. The ones I'm more concerned are those who are like the Pharisees, who look like they are on God's side, who creep into the church with all the right language, but they climb into the fold, as Jesus says, in another way. We can see this in, in another part of the scriptures when Jesus says they come in as wolves dressed in sheep's clothing. People who show up, teachers really, who show up and try and present to us a message that looks like Jesus and sounds like Jesus, but actually gets in the way of Jesus. Thieves and robbers who come to steal, kill, and destroy. C.S. Lewis had a marvelous way of describing how this actually works in his wonderful little book, The Screwtape Letters. If you've never read The Screwtape Letters, it's, it's a fun little book uh, in which uh, C.S. Lewis depicts two demons working together to try and remove the faith of a new Christian. One of the demons' name is uh, Wormwood, he's sort of the, the feet-on-the-ground demon, uh, and then you have Screwtape, the one writing the letters to his nephew, Wormwood. Screwtape sort of overseeing the whole operation. Uh, and they're working together to try and ruin the faith of this new Christian. And here's how they go about it. Here's one of the attacks that I think we need to be very aware of that takes place in real life. Screwtape writes this. What we want, if men are to become Christians at all, is to keep them in a state of mind which I call Christianity and, you know, Christianity and the crisis. Christianity and the new psychology. Christianity and faith healing. Christianity and psychical research. Christianity and vegetarianism. Christianity and spelling reform. If they must be Christians, let them at least be Christians with a difference. 
substitute for the faith itself some fashion with Christian coloring, end quote. We don't need to look far to see this sort of thing happening even in our own time. We see all kinds of thieves and insurrectionists coming towards the church trying to draw us away from Christ and get our focus on something else, just as Lewis described. And I mean, I can just, let me just run through the list of everything you're probably thinking about right now. Christianity and, Christianity and human rights, Christianity and LGBTQ issues, pro or con, uh, Christianity and making America great again, Christianity and your position on the Ukraine or Russia, Christianity and social justice, Christianity and technological advancement, Christianity and public schools, Christianity and homeschooling, Christianity and vegetarianism, Christianity and uh, Harry Potter, Christianity and Marvel movies, Christianity, whatever it is. I mean, it's always something that we got to figure, we got to add to Jesus. The bigger threat to our faith than the full frontal assault of the, of the devil is what Luther calls a rival doctrine, an addition to the gospel. He says that establishes the conscience upon one's own good deeds or goodness. Or another way of saying this, establishes one, one's conscience on anything but the dying and the rising of Jesus Christ for you. Trying to say you're truly a Christian if you support or are against this position or that position. You see it all the time, especially in the political realm. True Christians vote like this. True Christians say that. Now listen, it's not as though Jesus doesn't have things to say about those issues. He doesn't talk a lot about Harry Potter. But Jesus does have things to say about a number of these issues. The word of God is clear on a number of these issues. But the problem is, is that we've taken these issues that are under the authority of Jesus, and we've made them sort of equally as important as Jesus, and they take a lot more of our focus and our time than it, Jesus does. And for this, we are called to repent. See, what this seeks to do, this move seeks to do, these thieves and robbers want to come in, and they say, oh no, we leave Jesus on the throne, he's the Lord, we just want to build, you know, a little throne next to his throne. And it's kind of hard to see, so why don't we put it in front of his throne? The problem is now all you see is that, and you no longer see Jesus anymore. But Jesus will not share his throne. And it's not merely because he is proud and he loves his own glory, but it's because he loves you and he knows that nothing else can save you, nothing else can forgive you, and nothing else can love you. All these efforts only steal, kill, and destroy. So Jesus protects you from it. And how does he do it? With his voice. He protects you with his voice. With his word. He calls you by name, and he leads you away from sin and from death and from the devil. He leads you away from these thieves. He says, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. How do you know it's him? Your sheep. You know the voice of your good shepherd. They say, if you want to truly be Christian, you'd better be ready to die for this or that cause. 
your good shepherd says, I have come to die for you. I'm the one doing the dying around here, and it's for your sake. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. They say, if you're truly a Christian, you'll work harder and you'll do more to maintain your salvation. Jesus says, I save you by my grace alone. I scoop you up into my arms of mercy and I carry you home. They say, if Jesus were here today, he would fight for this or that cause. Jesus says, I have come to die for you. My cause is to do the Father's will, who sent me to be a sacrifice for your salvation, and I've done it. They say out of one side of their mouths, don't worry about this or that sin, it's not a big deal. And then out of the other side of their mouth, but if you don't do things the way I want you to, you are condemned. Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. Sin is evil, and I've come to forgive it by dying on the cross for you so that you are forgiven. Any voice, any message, any teacher be they an angel from heaven, a powerful religious voice, an influential politician, or even if I were to stand up here, and God forbid this ever happens, but even if I were to stand up here and preach something other to you than Jesus Christ, anybody who does such things comes along as a thief and a robber. Dear saints, you know the voice of your good shepherd, but even more wonderfully, he knows you by name. So listen to him, for he will protect you. Amen. We pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness to us. That you are our good shepherd. You have laid down your life for, our, for us, your sheep. You have taken your life up again so that you might raise us to be with you forever. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would teach us to be discerning to hear your voice over and against any voice that would come along and seek to draw us away from you. May our faith always be found in you and in you alone. In your name we pray. Amen.